Hello and welcome to 364 of the award-winning Fergal on the Freak podcast. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the award-winning League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good fellow award winner. Um, how have you been this week? Not too bad. I've been sitting around just polishing my trophy. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing the same. I call it many different things though, but you know that's one euphemism I guess you can use for it. Yeah, well, you know it's safe really. You, when you got two kids running around, it's safe. Yeah, yeah. Winners get trophies. Um, fair bit going on in the world of rugby league this week. Yeah, well, I guess weirdly the biggest story was probably um, Viliami Kikau signing a deal with the Bulldogs for 2023. And he took, they were taking a private photo of him in a Bulldogs, like, polo top. And Uh somebody in their security room saw this picture being taken and took a picture of it being taken over the security camera screens and leaked it out. I don't know where to, but uh, it got out and kind of put a lot of egg on the face of the Bulldogs and Billy Army himself and Phil Gould and all that and... A lot was made out of that, and of course, Twitter overreacted in 50 million different ways because that's all Twitter does anymore. And you know, I I didn't really care to be honest with you. I mean, we've talked about on the podcast many, many times this year through ups and downs Penrith have had about um, if 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 moving on Viliami Kickout would be addition by subtraction. And so for me, it's like, well, now we're going to see. Now we're going to find out. So he got paid, you know, a, a, a poor team in the competition, got some more talent. Uh, the salary cap squeezed the player out of the premiers. It was like, this is it working. I don't know why everyone's upset. I, you know, The crazy thing about it is everyone, they use this opportunity to go, oh, we should do something about the way the system works. You shouldn't be allowed to sign players from, you know, two years away and they've still got a season to play. Oh, fuck off. They can sign wherever they want. What does it matter? I, what was it? Isaiah Papali signed with the uh, West Tigers for 23, 2023 as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, how do we know he's going to put in a Parramatta? Because you know, that's what he gets paid to do. Yeah. Uh, and that, it's that the same. Thing. It goes on everywhere. And it's like these top clubs are losing talent to lower place clubs who need the talent. And it's like this is the system working. It's almost like when you see a player get caught on a drugs test and people say, well, there's obviously a big problem in rugby league with drugs. And it's like, but the, the system worked. They caught him. Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I yeah. just and don't. It, and, it it caught one, and it caught one person, not the whole, not yeah. every player. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what this whole idea of like everyone just turns into a, a fucking drama queen. Anything, anytime, anything, something happens, and I don't understand it. Well, it's it's, like con- it's conditioning. Fucking, it's conditioning from the media because that's what they do. Well, that's true. That's true. And the thing is, too, you get all these people that are like, oh, the fucking media, and then they just follow the media down whatever dumbass path the media takes them. It's <laughs> like people need to start thinking for themselves. Yes. Listen to us. Yeah. Think Let us. We'll take you down a fucking pathway, and you're going to fucking like it. Yeah. We'll take you down to the pathway of uh, of intellectual freedom. Yes. But it's the intellectual freedom where you have to believe everything we fucking tell you. Yeah, the freedom we give you. 
and when we give it to you. Exactly. Just think of us like your government. Yeah, and you'll be like our interns. Pretty much. The growing number of interns that we have. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to get more of them to replace the ones that... Rest in peace. (laughs) I was going to say, we let go. (laughs) Well, let go, pushed off, whatever. (laughs) That's right. All that matters is they just don't exist anymore. We don't want to be come across that we've violated any human rights rules. No, no. At some point, I mean, like, the contracts state that they're not actually people. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's a contract we wrote, but still, it's legally binding. They signed it. They did. Sure, we held their hand and made them do it, but they signed it. Exactly. That's how, that's how, the, that's how the world works. Speaking of forcing someone to sign something against their will, um, yeah, Viliami kick out. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, Papali's been signed to the West Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I think I think Viliami kick out is a pretty good signing for the Bulldogs. I think Isaiah Papali's a pretty good signing for the for the West Tigers as well. It, you know, it's weird yeah. to see them not sign a, a centre. Yeah, um, Papali will be a pretty... I don't know, the thing I find interesting about it is he seems to have a number of similarities in the way he plays to uh, Luciano Lalua. Mm, mm-hmm. I've always thought that the best forward packs are ones where every forward in the in the lineup is either a different shaped body or has a different style of play. But for me, one of the best, um, most cohesive functioning forward packs I've seen was that Sharks one from 2016. Because they were all just different body shapes. You had... Gallon was that, you know, low to the ground, low center of gravity guy. You had um, Wade Graham with that great hand skill, the, uh, the oh, sorry, ball skill, the great short kicking game um, and mm. really good defense, rush up out of the line. Luke Lewis, insanely brilliant line runner. And then you've got two very different props. You had um, Andrew Fafita and um, Matt Pryor. Very different bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and just every single one of them had just something that was completely different and unique about them. And so they're still doing a lot of the things that you have to do as a forward, hit-ups, tackling, that sort of stuff. But because of the different body shapes and the different little skill sets they had, it made them much more um, unique and a little bit trickier to try and defend against because you had to defend each one in a very different, unique type of way. And it made it very hard to try and contain that forward pack and then stop the momentum. And you see a lot of the better teams have that wider range of diversity in the forward packs. And I I worry that the Tigers might be trying to have a bit too much similarity in theirs, which means that, sure, it's still going to be pretty impressive having Papali and Lalua there. But if they're both doing a very similar thing, you can run a pretty similar defence on both sides of the field to to counter them, I guess. And that's the only concern I've got there. Look, Drew, I understand that that thinking, and I agree with you. You need a balance in your forward pack. But uh, at the same time, I think if I'm a club like the West Tigers, I, I just grab talent and we have always talked on this podcast about at some point certain clubs just need to grab talent and make it work, you know, and if you can't make it work, you might be able to get a player who you can work out to move on to another club for somebody else you might want, you know, um, and I, I just saw it as a good talent grab, you know. He's oh, there's no doubt, no doubt he's good talent. Yeah, yeah. Like like he's a young bloke, he's coming off his best season of his career. A lot of people are saying that, you know, he's coming off of one good season. Is he going to be worth that much? And look, that is a risk. But I tend to think, having watched him play all year this year, 
that he's not one of those guys that's going to be a flash in the pan. He seemed to have just it, it, he seemed to have just improved his game. I think he's going to be fine for the West Tigers and a good buy. He will be. He will be. There's there's no doubt about it. Just uh, I hope the Tigers find a way to use him uh, slightly differently to Lolua. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's so many other different things that the West Tigers need to work out on top of that. But at least now they've got two back rowers for 2023 that can, you know, punch holes in an opposition team, which is good. How when's the last time they had that? Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the best back rower back rowers at the club, I would say, since Jared McCracken, eh? Yeah, who'd they have with McCracken? Yeah. Oh, Mark O'Neill? He was just a toiler, an absolute down-and-out toiler. And McCracken was just, he was just an absolute superstar. What do you think is going to happen to Luke Brooks? Do you reckon he'll, he'll be a halfback next year? I see no reason why not. I'll tell you why. Because mm-hmm. the, you know, Chairman Lee... And uh, Captain Potato, they've they've made it pretty clear that they don't want Luke Brooks leaving the club at all. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make Luke Brooks the first ever $2 million a year player because that's how fucking stupid they are. Mention that, yeah. Tell you what, the the rumours got really loud at the start of this week, and uh, but they died down pretty quickly too. I think that maybe his manager was trying to get something on because yeah. his manager would want – if the if he moves clubs and gets a new deal, a manager gets more pay, you know. And I'm, and look, that's the manager's job is linked to what the player earns. And the manager's job is to get the player the most money possible. But at the same time, if I'm the West Tigers, you know, and they they think he's worth holding on to, I'm not sure about that. See, it's a balancing act, though. I think for for player managers, because take Ash Taylor for example. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you can get a guy a, a million dollar a year contract over three years. But he's not going to be getting looked at for that same money or more for the rest of his career after it. Is it worth it? Like, would it be better to just get a bloke kind of what he's worth and have him playing for that same sort of money for 10, 12 years instead of three really good years and then maybe wilderness or no playing at all in the top elite level ever again? But at the same time, say say Ash Taylor was earning over the course of this last contract, say he was earning $300,000. I don't think he played up to $300,000, right? No, no he hasn't. Say, but just say that's what he was getting. He he wouldn't have got all of that extra money out of the Titans. And I don't think that anything that he has done would have seen another club say, well, you know, he's only earned 300000 for the Titans. But if he was only on $300,000, you go, he might be handy enough to have as a backup player. But when he comes across as a million dollars, you go, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and I say what you mean. Like, it's weird that when you get the, a player that signs a big contract and it's like an albatross for them yeah. and you can't really look past the fact that they got that massive contract. And it's not really their fault. It's the, you know, the club paid it to him. That's exactly um, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's Don't get it wrong here. Up. That is not the player's fault. The player has every right. And I fully endorse any player trying out, trying to go out and get the most amount of money they can because they're only playing this game for 12 years, mm-hmm. 15 years if they're really, really elite. And what they're going to put their body through in that time is insane. 
So they need that money, not just to, not just for the injuries they may sustain or anything like that, but hell, some of them may not be able to work after their football careers ended, and it's 30 years after that before they are at retirement age, like yeah. 65. That's a long time. So yeah, you've got to do a lot of earning in a short period of time. So I, I definitely don't blame any player for taking whatever money they can get. It's clubs that are stupid. That's always been the case. Yeah, 100%. And the clubs have always been the ones that can't control themselves and they will talk themselves into plays and say, you know, I guess one of the worst things is when they buy potential and that potential doesn't pan out. Sometimes it does, other times it doesn't. Look, we've seen teams buy on potential and it's been an outrageous success before as well. You just never know. That's the It's the lottery of it all. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the West Tigers. You know, the other player they said that they were supposed to be getting this week was Josh Hodson. Yeah, yeah. The the media seem to be pushing that a lot harder than anybody else. Mm. Um, I I don't think Canberra's going to let him go. Not easily. I think, and there's talk that it'll be a player swap with Jacob Little. I don't think Canberra's that nuts. I would do that swap if I was Canberra. Oh, absolutely. But I think what they'd want is, you know, let's push this deal a little bit further and see if we can get something a little bit better than Jacob Little. Mm. No disrespect to Jacob Little's ability. It's more the fact that he's just been very injury plagued. Mm-hmm. That's not a it's not a brilliant swap. You know, you wanna have you wanna have something that you definitely can rely upon as your as your swap like that, or a shit ton of cash. And I think because the West Tigers in the past, and we're not talking too much in the past, are not brilliant when it comes to um, recruitment, I reckon there's an opportunity there for any club to say to the West Tigers, you know, how's that you chip, chip in a few extra dollars? You know, this bloke you're picking up, he's played test footy. You know, you're getting a, a top quality guy here and we're getting a bloke who's been injured a lot of his career, not really a fair deal. How's about you chuck in, say, a million bucks? And the Tigers go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> they do it. <laughs> they so sit think, down and have a meeting and say, you know, that million dollars we give them, that's just a million bucks. That doesn't even count on our salary cap when it actually does. Yeah, that's right. To do the deal, sign off on it, get him training, and then submit the paperwork to the NRL, and the NRL would say, hey, this fucking player just got from the other club. He basically cost you $1.7 million. Do you know that? And they'd say, no, we know the salary cap better than you lot do. You know, I'd have to say, uh, I'm not sure about that, potato. That's right. So, yeah, I think there's a, yeah, if clubs are smart, they'll know how to rip other teams off. So it's also been announced, too, that um, Clint Gutherson has had his contract extended at the Yields. What do you, yeah. what do you make of that? Look, that would be a really good move for Wentworth, Phil. Uh, unfortunately, a yeah, first-grade team has done it. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll take up all of Wentworthville's salary cap, though, won't he? He would think so. I would love to know how much he's on. Um, because I think that he's another one. I feel as though if the Eels got... Say you switched Clint Gutherson for Dane Laurie, I think the Eels would be far better in attack. Absolutely. So... That, that's a no-brainer. I've always said, too, that I don't see Gutherson as being a, a, a fullback. He's, yeah. he's a six for me, an out-and-out out six. Mm-hmm. 
Like if you got to play him anywhere, I put him at five eight. Um, especially alongside someone like um, Mitch Moses, who can get a little pedestrian at times. Gutherson has a running game that can be helpful. I'd probably prefer to see if I'm putting Gutherson there. I'd probably prefer to see him alongside Dylan Brown more than Mitch Moses. Yeah, Moses to me, he, he's a rocks or diamonds guy, and yeah. the the diamonds are fucking stunning and the rocks are fucking shit. <laughs> and there's a lot of rocks before you get to the diamonds, you know. It's yeah. Look, that's how I felt about Viliami Kikau a little bit in terms of when he's on, the game's over. doesn't matter what's going on. He's going to win you a game. Yeah. But, like, in the last season that we've just had, he only really had a couple of games like that, and he was just very awkward. And, you know, I guess Mitch Moses was a little bit like that this year as well. You were kind of waiting for him to kick on and, and settle into the season, and it felt like it didn't really happen at any point. No, I keep watching him and just, you know, we see that the start of seasons in the last two or three years where he just takes a fucking game by the scruff of the throat and then just says, this fucking thing's mine mm-hmm. and just runs the thing and just look at him going, he's devastating. Mm-hmm. And then switches off and yeah. it just can't find the switch to turn it back on again until off season starts. It's just crazy. Um, because, man, Parramatta could have made a grand final by now if he hits that, that early season form and just maintains it. But for some reason, just clocks off and just cannot find the switch to turn it back on again. And it's interesting what the Yields have done. I mean, they've locked in their coach. They've locked in Gutherson. Um, Don't forget have, the assistant coaches. They've locked in the assistant coaches, have they? No, they've, they've signed a new assistant coach. Who is it? Paul McGregor. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot of Parramatta fans. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one, that one. I, I just think that they obviously feel as though they're close enough, and I don't know about that. I feel as though they're, they're far enough behind the likes of the Storm and the Panthers and probably the Roosters when the Roosters are completely healthy um, that they, they can't just settle and hope that they're going to just get over the hump. Like with Penrith last year when they lost the grand final, you kind of knew that if you kept this team together, they'll do something. I don't yeah. feel that with the Eels. I feel as though they need more. They do. Um, I don't know how they find it, though. And they're not making too many of the too many good moves at the moment to suggest they know what they're doing. No. You know Getting the, rid of one of your best second roles is a bit of a weird one. It is, yeah. You know, the weirdest thing is that I feel as though for the Eels, the move that really hurt them, that was kind of underrated a little bit, was when Jennings got pinged for pissing hot because he was obviously playing great. But uh, it, Who it, knew? <laughs> I know. I was looking at him going, wow, he's got a new lease of life. I haven't seen this since, oh, what, 2016, was it? But, um, <laughs> the yeah, he, he just, there was a tack that he gave them. And just that little bit of attack going missing, it, it it just dulled them. You know, it was just a slight change, but it dulled them. And they, I don't know, I think the teams look at the Eels now and feel like they can handle them. To an extent, yeah. That's the thing. With, with Moses going quiet, it does mean that Gutherson is forced to inject himself more into the attack. And... Mm-hmm. 
your your opinion of him is a lot lower than mine, and that, yeah. that's that's not a criticism. No, no, that's fine. Um, but I think it just means that I don't think Gutherson is capable of being a five eight and a fullback at the same time. He's, you've got to pick one or the other with him. Yeah. And if you've got to get him to get in there to be a playmaker, because Moses isn't, um, then you're going to miss out on the benefits you get out of having a playmaker fullback, which is what they're trying to create with him. He's not a ball-running fullback. Um, it's the likes of James Tedesco. He's more of your playmaker type, you know, in the same sort of mold that Kalen Ponga is. You know, you're not going to see Kalen Ponga running the ball back at 300 miles an hour like Valentine Holmes, for example. He's going to look to link up with his outside backs and, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. That's what they're trying to have with, with Gutherson, essentially, is that sort of playmaker at the back more than a genuine custodian. And, uh, yeah, if you've got him being a playmaker all the time because Moses has gone missing, you've got to consider either moving Gutherson to the halves or moving your half back on and then moving Gutherson to the halves anyway. I just... I don't see how you carry Gutherson at fullback any longer. Either move him to five eighth or piss off Moses. You see, with Gutherson, I just feel as though I I don't think he's that great of a playmaker, and, and that's my opinion. And I know you feel differently about it. Well, one would, day, if you've got to pick, if you're sitting in the situation, you go yeah. right. I've got to cut either Moses or Gutherson. Which one are you getting rid of? Gutherson. See, for me, it's Moses. Yeah, so and it's, it's and it's hands down, Moses, because I think Gutherson is at least turning up and putting putting his putting his heart into it. I don't think Moses does that half the time. Oh, there's no doubt. I feel as though Clint Gutherson plays his up to his absolute maximum of his ability every game. I just feel like his ability is not very good. <laughs> no, that that and that's fine. But I'd rather a guy on my side who's mm. giving you his all than a bloke who you know what his all looks like, but you rarely fucking see it. It is frustrating when you see that. Mm. Definitely. I don't know. I just feel as though that Parramatta team, and I hope that they haven't missed their window, but these, the last couple of seasons, I feel as though if they had a, a really good fullback, they would have been a scary, scary team, especially with the big wingers that they were running with. Um, and, you know, I... I I don't know. Do you commit to that? I just don't feel like you do. And they have committed to Gutherson 100%. Like he is a marquee player. Like he is somebody that you build a premiership team around. And I just do not think he is that player. Well, there you go. Well, we've highlighted two issues that Parramatta has at their side there, if anything. (laughs) All they need is a new halfback, a new fullback, a new coach, a new assistant coach, and now a second roller. If they get all of that sorted out, they're sweet. Yeah. They'll probably find all of those at the Bulldogs because they're buying everyone at the moment. Yeah, the Bulldogs <laughs> just buying everyone. Remember when the Bulldogs used to give shit to the Roosters because they didn't develop players? <laughs> fucking bread, bread not brought. Yeah, that was, that, was funny. that was funny, hey? That was very funny. Now, uh, stadium talk. Yeah, I love talking about stadiums. Do you love talking about stadiums? I don't mind it. I don't mind no, it. I, I love it. The, um, there was an article here during the week, which I, I want to get into first before we get into the um, the rest of the chat. But the NRL has made inquiries about building its own stadium in southwestern Sydney. She's wondering where they got that idea from. <laughs> um, 
approaching the West Tigers and the Borgs to gauge their appetite in playing out of a potential new venue in Liverpool. Oh, geez, I wonder who brought that idea up in the past. Imagine having a rugby league oasis in Liverpool. There you go. I mean, I've only suggested it, what, three three million times on here? The thing oh is, and we had a, a little bit of a board meeting about this between uh, you, myself, and the CEO. And I just don't know why they keep saying Liverpool, because there's nothing there. Ah. Like, have you ever been to Liverpool? Yeah, it's just... It's it's shit. You like it's shit. There's nothing <laughs> yes, in Liverpool. If Liverpool was called Bogtown, everyone would say, "Oh, fuck Bogtown." That's really well named. There's nothing gonna, worth seeing in Liverpool. Let's just say it's the Tamworth in Sydney. It really is. <laughs> like, if you say every possible way, Liverpool, they can't tell you one thing. No, but I've always said that it's the perfect place for the West Tigers to be based, not because of what Liverpool has, but just location-wise. Mm-hmm. They're See, doing I, nothing. They're doing nothing in, in the MacArthur region at all. They're doing yeah. nothing in Campbelltown with that stadium there. They're not even trying. But if you were to say, right, we're going to put a stadium at Liverpool and we're going to say to the West Tigers, if you want this to be your home ground, if we want you to play 10 games here every year, absolute minimum, and you can have one at Leichhardt, one at Campbelltown, one at Bankwest. You know, choose, choose two of your other three home games out of those three other venues. That's it. Mm-hmm. and make them play at least 10 games a year from one fucking venue, and that way they'll get any government grant they need to from the state government. Because the state government is not going to tip any money in to an upgrade in a stadium that's only getting two to four NRL games a year at it. Why would they? I don't care how good or bad your government is or what side of the fence they're on. None of them are stupid enough to pour a shit ton of money into a stadium that's only going to get used three or four times a year at best. They're just not. See, if it was up to me, I would have the team a little bit further south than Liverpool. Um, well, and well, I, Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide. Um, I would have it, like, I wouldn't just rebuild on Campbelltown Stadium. I think we need to move away from there. If you've ever been to Campbelltown Stadium, it's fine for what it is, but it's not what we need for the game moving forward. I think that you've got a chance because there's so much free land down there. You're building so much transportation and so many transportation links. You could almost go to the government and say, look, we would love a stadium that we have plenty of parking at, that we have a train station for, that has transportation. Like you could build a stadium right next to the motorway if you wanted to. Um, And that's what I would be looking to do. And you know, that that down, area down that way is going to be absolutely massive over the next 20, 30, 40 years. And I just think it's an opportunity for the NRL to get a stadium there. I don't know about them buying it or building it themselves. I think that's stupid. But get a stadium built down that way. And it's, you've got to say to the West Tigers, I, I would say you're there full time. St- enough of this Leichhardt shit. Enough of this fucking Parramatta Stadium stuff. You're the West Tigers. You're going to be the West Tigers. And the thing that I would do for the Bulldogs, I would say, look, you've wanted to move down that way a little bit. You're happy to be at the Olympic Stadium. What we're going to do for you is say, we're going to push your cause for upgrades to the Olympic Stadium, but we're also going to give you the inner west area as well. 
there's going to be no more Tigers. I would say to the West Tigers, you've got that area. Bulldogs, you've kind of got this area. And there's going to be people that are upset about that. But, you know, the, the fucking Balmain Tigers haven't existed for 20-plus years now. Like, how, how much longer are we going to hold on to an area for a team that hasn't existed for 20 fucking two years, you know? 137 more years. I know, right? It's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, I, I come from the Balmain side of the merger, and I think trying to cater to both Balmain and the Magpies now is fucking absurd. Then the only way you can make a merger like that happen is if they border each other. But I still think it's nuts that St. George and Illawarra are trying to make that work. And as we've seen, they're not trying really that much anymore. They're just they're just basically St. George that plays one or two games every year at Wynn Stadium, or there might be three, who cares? That's the way they that's their attitude of it. We're just St. George. And like, like that's that's never happened. There's just been this constant power struggle between morons at the West Tigers at board level. And no one's ever gonna win it because there's only like there's, there's fuck all people left from the Magpies and the Tigers left on that board. Mm. It's basically a bunch of uh, West Tigers sort of people and uh, Chairman Lee and the Spud. Yeah. And, and that, look, they need to look at their future. And there are plenty of clubs that would absolutely love to have that area down there. It's almost like a clean slate. And it is because the West Tigers don't do shit with it. And you could have a brand new stadium with all your transport and everything set up and uh, it's just, it's just there waiting. And the West Tigers are like, yeah, but we want to play at Leichhardt as well. It's like, are you people fucking stupid? Well, there's, there's some uh, nice quotes here from Chairman Lee. Okay. Shall I share? Yeah, share them, share away. I've made it very well known that I believe the greatest challenge, greatest challenge facing the West Tigers is securing a permanent home in the short to medium term. You play out of 15,000 fucking home grounds every year. You can't find one of them to be a permanent home. I like that he says the greatest thing. It's not having a long-term home. It's just even having a short-term home, man. You've got Imagine- Leichhardt, Campbelltown. You're playing out of Bank West. You play out of the Olympic Stadium, and you can't find one of those four grounds to be a permanent venue. No, Two no. of them are exclusively exclusively being used by the West Tigers, and you can't pick one of those? I, I don't get it. How fu- And you camped your whole fucking pool of players, juniors, is in the MacArthur region, and there's a stadium there. You can't put... The, you can't join those two fucking dots together? Fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's hard I, to find somewhere to play football when you've got a football team, Andrew. It is. It is. Um, I tell you what... If you think I'm up, you think I've got to be fired up about that one. Oh boy. I've also made it publicly known that the future of the West Tigers lies in the southwest of Sydney. So he admits it's in the southwest of Sydney. Yeah. But we can't find a ground there while standing in the middle of Campbelltown Stadium. Where's the football ground out here? We can't find one. You know, if the future's in the southwest of Sydney, what the fuck are they building at Concord then? <laughs> There's just no direction at the club. It's so insane. <laughs> Whilst oh here's the here's the here's the kicker, whilst also maintaining a connection with our traditional roots in the inner west. So stupid. <laughs> this bloke's a blow in to a club that's been in existence since two thousand, 
it's played out of 15,000 different fucking home grounds, and all of a sudden he thinks there's traditional roots somewhere. Where? But the thing is, Peanut. Jesus Christ. Traditions are only good when the tradition is good, okay? So, say, like, there's people say we should have some people, not many, but some people, and that's one of the media things I've been blowing up about this week when you say some people. There are individuals that love the idea of playing games at the Sydney cricket ground because it's traditional. Rugby league's been played there for a, a century, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is you go and watch a rugby league game there and it fucking sucks. It does. It sucks so badly. Traditions don't necessarily mean something's good. You know, if your tradition sucks, stop doing it. There's no reason to keep doing something that's dumb just because you've always done, done it that dumb way. And that's the way I see Leichhardt over. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You go to an old stadium. You know, it's it's it reminds you of bygone era because it should have been in a fucking bygone era because it's not up to standard. There's no parking. The transportation is shit. And we should have left Leichhardt Oval fucking in that like early 90s. Yeah. Well, they kind of did briefly. Tigers went and had a Batman went and had purple on their jumper and played at Parramatta and then. That didn't work, so they thought, well, let's go back to being Balmain, and that just made them continue being what they were as the Sydney Tigers, and they thought, well, that's proved that change proved nothing. Well, no, it didn't, but fair enough, and then they merge, and the crazy thing about it all is, as an actual venue, take the parking and the transport aside, the actual venue itself, for the fans, the thing that gets me is, like Art Oval is coming up, it's only about 10 years shy of, of being 100 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a sports venue in the top league competition in Sydney, such NRL. Um, but Campbelltown Stadium offers very little upgrade. And it's only been around since 1987. Mm-hmm. It's barely, barely any better. It's better, but not by much. Not by enough. Not, not by, not 50 years worth better, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. You know, it's it's insane. It really is insane. You know, you think two years after, um, I think it was two years, actually it might have been just a year after um, Campbelltown Stadium was opened, the Sydney Football Stadium was opened. Look mm-hmm. at the two venues at the time. One looked like it was built in mm-hmm. 1988. The other one looked like it was built back in 1962. Well, I, I tell you something. I've called games at Campbelltown Stadium, and I remember for one of the games, I had to park the other side of a little shopping centre. That, And I say shopping centre. This is like a, a row of shops that had, like, fish and chip shops, and I think there was an IGA and stuff like that. It was very local. And I had to park the other side of that and then walk to the stadium. And this is for a New South Wales Cup game. And I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And th- that's one of the things. Like, I remember going to uh, Cogra Oval, same thing. It was the New South Wales Cup game. There was hundreds of people there. And I had to park, like, four blocks away in front of someone's house. And so did everyone else. So it was just everyone just parked on the street. And it's like, you can't be doing that anymore. When you've got, everyone's got giant flat-screen TVs and you want to get them to games. You can't say to them, well, you're going to have to park, you know, 
half a kilometre away, hope your car doesn't get towed, hopefully it doesn't get knocked over, and then when you get there, you're able to sit on a fucking grass hill, uh, and the, the facilities are shit. You know, you just can't offer that anymore. we got to offer situations, people... Well, I was going to say, the park situation is the same at Shark Park. It's nearly the same for all Sydney grounds. Only a few of them have got almost um, almost substandard parking available. Yeah, like I was, I've thought, I've thought about this with Penrith because Penrith, they're getting a brand new twenty five thousand seat stadium. The government's, I think they've all but confirmed that, and so we're going to be playing at Penrith uh, at Parramatta Stadium for two years while that's being built. From it's going to be open, I think in twenty twenty five, the new stadium at Penrith, and the parking situation at Penrith is such that when it's a sellout of I think twenty three thousand at the moment there is just enough parking around there to get the job done. Mm. Um, and that needs to be improved. That really badly needs to be improved. Um, so it, it like, and I, I, I just think you try and remove all the obstacles of getting people to games. And my first obstacle is always parking. If I can't park my car there and people can say, go on public transport, fuck off your povo. I've got a car. <laughs> I pay Rego. I turn up in my car like a fucking boss. They tell me to get on a train with the rest of you filthy pigs. Do you take um, Latrell's Merc out to games or do you just take the, the usual BMW? Just the, uh, just the usual Beamer. You know, oh, right, you know the Gull Wing? Yeah, 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 that's the one. I take the Gull Wing. Yeah. I see, I like it. You, you play down to make sure you're not above the people around you. It's no, very, very, yeah. very humble of you. Yeah, I don't look. I don't like calling it. I just like calling it the gold wing because then when people are like, "Oh, you got his gold wing," don't worry about it. You know? Yeah, that's right. You don't. You don't be showy. No, no. There's no need to be showy. You know, it just draws attention to yourself. You don't need that. No, it's like you don't want attention. <laughs> no, it's overrated. Um, what other stadium news is going on? Was that it, or was there more? Well, that, there was. Look, there were, I, I had people saying that Cogra Oval should be have heaps of money poured into it. And that, uh, like what? that should – well, it just shouldn't. It just shouldn't. It's an old stadium we should get away from. Paint um, the fence. Well, that's the thing. Like just say you drop Parramatta, Stadium's, at Parramatta Stadium at Cogra. First thing is there's no fucking parking there, you know. And there's another team whose stadium they own – and it's literally like five minutes away. And yeah. then you've got the, the fucking Sydney football stadium. I think it's something like 17 kilometres, because I remember writing an article once. I, I um, looked up the distances. You and, did research for an article. Yeah, this was a long time ago. You know when yeah. it was? It was uh, when I think Manly Seagulls fans were blown up because they had to get to a finals match at the Sydney football stadium. So uh-huh. I started looking at the distances from all the stadiums. <laughs> and for them, it was 17 kilometres. And from memory, it was basically the same for the for the Dragons from Cogra. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's like I, I just think that if you want a nice stadium, you've got to make some sacrifices, especially if you're a team that has a bunch of different stadiums you use. And, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And some of these fucking teams are – uh, going without stadiums for decades at a time because they're chasing an impossible dream. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, no, possible dream is just a sellout. Yeah. yeah. Look, if, if the say the Dragons had moved to the Sydney Football Stadium in 1988, they could have been playing out of a really good stadium all this time. Instead, they're fucking playing at Cogra. Sometimes they go to the Sydney Football Stadium. Now they've also got a joint venture to deal with. They're playing down in fucking Wollongong. And then they wonder why they can't get a new stadium built. It's ridiculous. They should have, they should have just moved to Wollongong. Full like, time. There's a, whole, there's, there's a whole south coast there they can be tapping into, and instead they're just trying to plot away with St. George. Yeah. Oh, why? Just go down to Wollongong and make that work. Do you reckon that there's some people, if you sat them down, that run the, the Dragons Club, right? If you sat them down, gave them a few drinks, and said, listen, what's the long-term goal here? They'd say... We're waiting for the sharks to die. Uh, I, I think they've gone past that. You reckon? Yeah, I think they're waiting for Illawarra to stop giving a shit about rugby league, so they can just drop Illawarra from the name. Really? That's so pretty much think, it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they're. No, it's not. I'm different from you. I feel as though they're more Illawarra than Dragons, hey? I'd like to think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't find Illawarra people are as that passionate about them as St. George ones are. Oh, really? See, I... Yeah, because if I go and... Yeah. Best, a good way to test it, okay, is you, you go onto social media mm-hmm. and you say, St. George and Illawarra Dragons have only won one premiership. Mm-hmm. You'll always get St. George fans bitching and fighting. And, oh, yeah, we've won... Yeah. Did Illawarra win 11 straight in the 50s and 60s, did they? You just do little things like that, and they, they get all pissy, really pissy, and really aggressive about it. And it's only of the St. George fans. The Illawarra fans just go, oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, fair game. And they just sort of move on. People call me the troll. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm a bit um, – I, I tend to be a little bit subtle with it. Yeah, true. I tend to fucking come in with a flamethrower and just say, fucking your whole country shit, Wales. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just come in and just hit people with hammers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Cog- Cogra Oval, they're not getting one. Apparently the local council is putting some some things in their way as well, but I don't think they were ever going to get a new stadium. Um, speed bumps? Yes. There's literal speed bumps around that stadium too. It's great. Um, and then Manly is apparently going to get a little bit of an upgrade. But That's I'll, the one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I won't hold my breath. Apparently the, um, what would it be, the eastern side hill, that's yeah. going to be a stand now. So we'll see what happens. Can you imagine? Oh, how much- that that's the, uh, that, that's the toxic stand. Toxic yeah, can stand. you imagine how much fucking asbestos is in that hill? Yeah, that's uh, ooh, dicey call. Yeah, that's going to be like fucking digging a hole in Fukushima. <laughs> that's going to be nasty. Yeah. Um, good luck to whoever's got that gig. Um, if you live near the area, move. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be wearing three fucking COVID masks when they start digging oh, up. Don't be near that. That's going to be, uh, yeah. The ground is sour. That's all we'll say out there. It's the ground is Real sour. <laughs> Oh shit! Lots of dead, um, dead things out there. But yeah, I can't believe that. Really, that Brookvale Oval, whatever they want to call it now, Four Pines Park, 
It's had like wallet. Yeah. Ugh. It's had more upgrades than pretty much every other stadium in Australia combined. And it still remember, looks like that. <laughs> do you remember when they opened the Bob Fulton stand and they're like, we're opening the Bob Fulton stand. And then they showed a picture of it. And it's like, that's not a stand. That's a corner. Yeah. I, I remember looking at that going, to be honest, I think Bozo deserves a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. It's like we're opening, we're opening the Bob Fulton door. Yeah, pretty much. It was very strange when they did that. He basically ran your club on the field and off it for a lot of time. Him, him and Arkai. Got to remember. Yeah. Arkai. And you go, that, that's how you want to, that's the legacy you want to repay like that? Really? But then, you know, I can't really, I can't really say much given the way the Tigers twice showed their, um, <laughs> showed their respects for Tommy Radonikus. Uh, I know, right? I, that still makes me angry, those performances. Um, what, what chance that a new stadium gets built down there in the MacArthur region? It's catered to a 15,000-seat A-League club, and the stands are named after, like, some A-League players that are playing right now, or club legends. Uh, see? MacArthur Bulls Stadium. <laughs> They, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know why the West Tigers have been so um, scared. I'm going to use that word, scared, to just move their base to, to MacArthur Region and just accept the fact that this is where the future of the club is. It's where the now of the club is, let alone the fucking future. Yeah. And yet they still want to pander to this, you know, 17 Balmain fans that still linger on going, Balmain will come back one day. No, they won't. Yeah, Neither will the Magpies. I don't get it. I really don't get it. As a Panthers fan, I look at that area down there with a a new airport being built and all this infrastructure and stuff, and I'm like, oh, could we steal that? Yes. I think we could. Yes. It'd be so easy. It's, It's too easy. You could put one staff member working from home out there. <laughs> he'll take it all, and he'll do it as casually as he likes. You can even put him on a part-time contract, just you know, twelve hours a week. He'll I do wonder, more out there than what the West Tigers are currently doing. I wonder if maybe that's what the NRL needs to do: is to sit down and say, "Look, we're going to redraw the boundaries of Sydney and the junior leagues and stuff." And if if West Tigers, if you don't commit down to that area, we're going to take a chunk of it and give it to the Panthers. I wonder if that would be enough for them to say, all right, then. You know what will happen? What? That will happen. They go through, they make that happen. Justin Pascoe comes out going, oh, Billy Penrith is living here. They sacked me. I walked there. We go, fuck off, Justin. No one cares. <laughs> That's uh, all that happened. He'd whinge and bitch and moan. That's all that would happen. I had someone on Twitter saying, do you reckon that he was at the celebration yep. for the Panthers premiership, <laughs> counting how many people were sitting on the hill and stuff? He'd be there. I hope he'd he be there and be going, you know what? I was here at this club when Nathan Cleary was signed as a 16-year-old. I deserve as much of this glory as everybody else. <laughs> I, wonder how it, like, I wonder how many people uh, do that sort of thing. Like, people, people said that Phil Gould was doing that, but I honestly never really heard Phil Gould taking any credit for what the Panthers were doing. I'll give credit to Gus. He knows that once he's moved on from a club, that's his 
that's his job there done. He moves on. He starts on his next one. He doesn't sit there going, no, I deserve this and I deserve that. I've never heard Gus saying he deserves anything. I'll give him that. Mm. He he does what he has to do. He does what he's paid for and he moves on to the next job. And that's what he does. Uh, I'll give him that. He's a professional in that regard. Absolutely. So no, I, I wouldn't say that I've not seen him do any of that sort of stuff. He might talk about it a lot, but he doesn't sit there demanding to be receiving plaudits and stuff like that. That's just, yeah. I've yeah. never seen him do that. Yeah. But yeah, the 25,000 seat stadium for Penrith. How about that? Yeah. Well, Potato will have a whinge about that, I'm sure. He will. Where's their upgraded stadium? As I've said, I'm going pick to. One have... of, pick one and they'll upgrade it, you moron. I'm going to get season tickets when the new stadium is built and have those season tickets until I die. So probably three or four years, I would say. That's a ticket. That's a way. Yeah. you got to, you know, the biggest challenge is the short to medium term, term Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the biggest challenge. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, now, look, bit of bit of news on the player scene. Mm-hmm. John Asiata has been issued a termination notice by the Bulldogs due to his refusal to get the COVID vaccine. It's a rough one, hey? That's pretty rough. Um, my, my guess is if he was a higher profile player or a player of higher ability, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, because, um, I mean, we haven't seen Jason Tumalolo being threatened with the sack. No, no. And, and, like, there's a lot of players around the league who – have chosen not to get uh, vaccinated, and that's fine. That's up to them. But um, I, I think that this could be a convenient excuse to trim salary caps if needed, and and that's wrong. Yeah, that's right. I agree on you, with you on that one there. Um, apparently, Wayne uh, Bennett has been having chats with Caelan Ponger about joining the, the Redcliffe team. Yep. I, li- I like that move if they can do that. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if Bennett's looking at Ponga and then Harry Grant. Man, they'd be two good young players to start off with, eh? You can build a lot around those two. A yeah. lot. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, you know, I, I haven't got a sense for what the uh, Dolphins are doing yet in terms of the sort of team they want to build. And I think that it really does come down to that first marquee signing. Yeah. So I think they're heading in the right direction there. Um, if, if I was Ponga, the way I'd think about it is, like, I get to be the marquee player for a second Brisbane team that's going to have a lot of attention and a lot of goodwill, and I'm going to be all over marketing. I'm going to be advertisers that want to jump on board and stuff. There's so much money you could make there. And be coached by a proper coach. Yeah, yeah. Zinger. Um, <laughs> Tigers have locked in Alex Twile until the end of 2024, making him the second longest contracted player at the club behind some idiot winger. Because <laughs> only the Tigers sign wingers to four-year contracts. Term deals, yeah. Well, you know, he's a solid player. Oh, no, I, I like Alex Twile. Yeah. And you know, another, another one of those guys who's an absolute toiler. You need to have those in your side. Yeah, 100%. Um, What else was there? Oh yeah, the uh, <laughs> the writers over at Fox Sports slash Daily Telegraph have decided to do a uh, 
most overpaid and underpaid players in the NRL. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I I always find these articles a bit weird. I I don't mind them if the person writing it has the temerity to put their fucking name to it. Mm. I'll sit here and talk about players being um, overpaid or whatever else, as are you. But you know what? People can contact us on social media if yeah. they want to argue the point with it, and then we've got to sit there and back it up. These piss ants hide behind staff writers and are never accountable for what they say. And I think if you want to be an opinion writer, you've got to have the balls to defend your opinion. And if you lack that that spine, then you're you you can't handle this game. Don't be in it. I just think that imagine being the person that writes that article. Just say it is let's be generous and say there's three people contribute to that article. Okay. Now I don't understand why you'd need that. I reckon I could write that article in fucking 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but keeping in mind, I am at the top echelon of writers. Just Absolutely. saying. Uh, and I probably deserve some of the credit for Penrith's premiership success. But having said all of that, I, I just think it must be weird for those people to, to put together an article knowing that it's not going to be attributed to them. And why is it not being attributed to them? Is it because, and I feel as though it's because they know there might be some blowback from the players they name. And it's also because they know there'll be blowback from the fan base. And a lot of them, as much as they talk about, um, you know, they want clicks and they like just getting the clicks and that's all it is. They also don't like to be hated all the time. Mm. They want... They want our um, they want our admiration and our support. As it happens everywhere, people respond better to positive feedback than they do to negative. Would you remember once upon a time, if you went to a journalist and said, "Would you appear in a movie? We want to do this this scene where a journalist is, you know, covering an event." They'd say, "No, it'd rule my credibility." And now they all go in movies because they oh, don't yeah. care about their credibility. No, that's, that's right. Completely out the window. But yeah. there's something to be said about when you write something and you put it out there and it's like, look, this is my opinion. This is why I think it. I'm putting it out there. And then you get feedback from it. Sometimes you get smashed for like, I know when I do the origin ratings, I get fucking smashed by people for my origin ratings. But that's cool. That's fine. You know, people know where to find me. They can fucking message me and say, hey, you're yeah. Your origin ratings fucking suck, dude. Yeah, and that, you're accountable for it because they can find you and they can talk to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's gutless to use staff writers and, and hide. That's all it is. It's it's petulant, piss weak hiding. Well they do it and they do it with articles that attack players, but they also do it with articles that talk about the private lives of players yeah. as well. And that to me is is even worse. Yeah, it's shit they don't need to do. Yeah, that's all it is. You don't need to be writing this crap. That's all it is. You don't have to say someone's overpaid. If they're overpaid, don't blame the fucking player. Blame the dickheads paying them the wage. So don't do an article about which players are overpaid. Do an article about which clubs overpay their players the most. That would be more telling. But you could like. So, for instance, Valentine Holmes, right? 
I think his his contract situation there at the Cowboys is a fucking disaster. I think they're paying him way too much for what they get back because at the end of the day, he's a really good winger and he's not a good fullback and they're paying him superstar fullback money. Man, I would say to Valentine Holmes, get every last cent. Absolutely. Live high on that money. Love it. And I've got nothing against payers getting all the money they can get. I've always been on the side of the players in that regard. It's more on the side of like, the Cowboys rolled the dice on it and it come up snake eyes and they've got to live with that now, you know? Yep. It's the same That's thing right. with Ash Taylor. I don't like Ash Taylor got paid a lot of money to not be a good player for the Titans. I hope he's yeah. got a beautiful house and a nice car. And even if he doesn't play first grade football next year, he's like, who cares, man? I was a millionaire every year for like five years. I will never begrudge a player getting whatever salary they can. Mm. It is always the club that's at fault. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I'll the only thing I'll ever say against a player is if you're getting paid that money and you're not putting in, and I'm not saying that Ash Taylor wasn't putting in, I just don't think that his skill level warranted the money he was given. Yeah. So he is what he is. And the Titans was stupid to pay so much money for him. And they got what what they got what they knew they were going to get. And it was stupid. But that none of that is Ash Taylor's fault, and so he shouldn't no. be he shouldn't be singled out and abused for that. That's all the Titans who are at fault there. So why write an article talking about most overpaid players? It's the clubs that made that decision, not the player. No player's going to sit there and go, you know, I'm only worth three hundred fifty grand. So you know, let's let's take that million dollars off the table and just give me what I'm worth. You know, I'm only three fifty. You know, let's just take that. They're not going to do that. It's the clubs who are the fucking idiots, not the players. Most like, of the time. When, the time. When a player manager says to a player like like Ash Taylor, he's like, they offered a million bucks a, a year for like four years. I would say, why the fuck are you telling me this? I should be on my way there now to sign this contract. Like, yeah. just fucking, just like sign it yourself. Forge my fucking signature. <laughs> get it sorted, okay? Yeah, it's like who who have I got to suck off for this? Like, <laughs> I'll get knee pads. <laughs> oh, I've got a million dollars now. I can afford them. <laughs> no, it's just it's nuts. Absolutely nuts that people will sit there and they'll attack the player for what they're being paid. Mm. Yeah, uh, I just I'm think paying them. I always I, I always talk about the club and their decision because that's what it is at the end of the day. And um but man, these players that get big salaries out of nowhere, like Clint Gutherson, sign that giant long term extension. Yeah, why not? Fucking go for it. The thing that gets me is you get there's a lot of ex players mm. um at Fox Sports and who write for the Daily Telegraph. And you can bet your ass some of them signed deals where they knew they were being paid overs. Mm. Yet none of them will come out and defend the players on this one. Well, it's like the thing of like people saying we should see what players earn. You know? And the yeah. first the first question is, well, what do you earn? And if yeah. that's a problem to ask that question, then why the fuck shouldn't it not be a problem for players to tell you? As um, a boy said, I see no benefit in 
the public knowing what players earn. And the responses I get is, oh, but then we'll be able to see which clubs are being over the salary cap. I'm going, we don't need to know that. We're not salary cap auditors. The NRL needs to know that, and they do know that. It's what it is. It's perversion. Mm. People don't need to know that shit. They just want to know because they're, you know, perverts. That's all it is. <laughs> People are perverts, Andrew Ferguson. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing, the thing that I find weird is that, uh, like, people think that a, a club is going to put out all the player salaries and it's like, oops, oops. Oh, wait, it, it adds up to $15 million? Wow. Oh, geez, you know, it's like, that's not how it works, you dummies. <laughs> I'd love to say they just put out every single player's on 300000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at balances, isn't that brilliant? Have we got money in the bank? Who else wants to sign a $300,000 deal? Yeah. And every club did it. That'd be even better. All the clubs got together and said, right, we're going to say that every single one of our players on the same amount of money. But like, we've, we've seen, like, I can't remember, it's got to have been close to a, I think we worked out there was like three or four teams that had never really properly broken a salary cap. This idea that, Clubs that have broken the salary cap when it's all been private are going to put out public statements showing that they broke the salary cap if you saw all the players' salaries. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> you know, it just appeals to the dumb asses. It does. That's why journalists love it. They're fucking oh, yeah. It's their target audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, that's a bit of a nuts thing. Yeah, I, uh, I hate that shit. You know, the other bit of news that come out, the Rugby League World Cup has been rescheduled for next year uh, because, unfortunately, the country it was scheduled to be in is in the middle of a pandemic that they're not handling well at all. And so it was decided not to play the World Cup because Australia and New Zealand chose not to. Um, and anyway, that's all been rescheduled now to the uh, fucking whinging of a bunch of poms. I, for some reason, I got a bunch of messages saying, he's going to turn up this time. It's like, yeah, if you can handle the fucking pandemic like a first world country in the next 12 months. <laughs> yeah, what are the chances of that happening? Zero. Yeah, crazy. Then they're taking, um, you know, they're not getting people over there having to take boosters. So they're on their third jabs now. Yeah. And still have... So many thousands of cases per day. And they're just they're just fighting a losing battle over there. They sure the first thing they'll need is a shot of penicillin. <laughs> they're gonna say soap. No, nah, the soap comes later. <laughs> I bet they're not sanitizing their hands, hey. Uh, well, you know. Maybe they should inject themselves with gravy. It's probably I saw uh, Andy during the week was showing me pictures of like uh, it was like an, an ice cream cone looking thing, but it had like mashed potato in it instead of ice cream, and instead of a flake, it had a, a uh, sausage shoved in it, and then it had gravy poured over the top of it, and, and they, they were saying like uh, you know it's basically a an English person's dessert. Oh, boy. I'd eat it. <laughs> oh, it'd be delicious. <laughs> I'd eat it. Oh, yeah. All it needs is minty, minty peas sprinkles. Yeah, mushy. Minty, mushy peas. 
Meaty mashy peas, yeah. Oh. There you go. Now we're talking. Mm. That's delectable. Yeah, we go uh, as we go into the gourmet part of life. <laughs> this is right. Now, uh, does that wrap up the rugby league news for the day? I think it pretty much does. I can't yeah. think of any other news that come out, hey? So now I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. had any emails? Why would you ask me something like that? That's disgraceful, Andrew. Just I don't believe... I like to put. I just like to put you on the spot. Look, I don't. Um, we have had any. No. We haven't had any. No. No. Well, that's just disappointing. Website's not loading up. Ah. <laughs> I was expecting a bit more chat. Well, if people want to send us an email, if you just go to fergoandthefreak.com and go to the contact section, send us an email. We'll answer advice. We'll answer questions. Uh, we'll give you life lessons. Just ask anything. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, we've got you covered. Mm. We are here for you. Um, also, the next episode, we will finish off the YouTube comments. What do yeah. you reckon? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Um the, we're, the trying, next, we're, we're trying to do that a little bit earlier than Sunday as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. We've also got to do the King and Rugby League Awards, hey? Yeah, they must be coming up soon. There's been yeah. a few internationals, so we're going to have to have a look at that for uh, best rep player. Yeah, 100%. So we'll check that out. I've been updating that on the website, so uh, we'll be able to be properly fully informed on that one. Have there been any surprising international results for you? Surprising? Yeah. Um, England winning. <laughs> England won a game, yeah. <laughs> um, a quick look here. I don't, don't think so. Jamaica and Scotland had a 30-all draw um, yeah. on October 24. Um, there was a, a European Cup competition back mm-hmm. at the start of October. Mm-hmm. And Russia had always been a team that was reasonably solid in these sort of tournaments and they got absolutely just obliterated oh really uh, yeah serbia beat them 66 10 ukraine beat them 96 18 whoa so it's uh that was interesting um serbia serbia seems to be picking up uh again which is always good to see ukraine's yeah. back on the uh the improve the czech republic uh um, getting stronger and stronger every year. Netherlands are playing more games now, which is good. I mean, they had a good win over Turkey, 40-18. That was a good one. Um, Turkey also getting pretty good too. They beat Malta a few weeks ago, 36-12, to 12, which was a good result for them as well. It's been a bit mixed out there. I'll tell you what, I would love to have seen the Ukraine versus um, Russia game. There would have been a lot of feeling in that one. Yeah. Um, Alexander Skorbach, yeah, he, uh, he scored four tries and kicked twelve goals in that one. Wow, that's a that's a pretty impressive total. Yeah, that's uh starting to get up towards the all time leader. It but is. Was there a new was there a new leader in that? Because it was Braitha Nasta, but I feel like that was recently broken. Uh, I think he was equal on that record. Okay, okay. Just have a. Don't know if I've got that on here. Um, yeah, I think that was, I think he was equal on that record there. Okay. So it was pretty pretty crazy stuff. Because he had something like five tries and ten goals, something like that in a game. Yeah, it was ridiculous because it jumped out at me and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to update the website. Yeah. 
Keep updating the website. <laughs> it was it was pretty insane. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, at the moment we've got, uh, and I'm still updating this, but um, we've now got 16 players who have scored 200 points or more in um, full internationals, also known as test matches, mm-hmm. uh, in the history of the game. Um, so that that's it's a pretty interesting list. I think for a long time we always thought just Australian and English people were on there from, you know, yesteryear and, you know, more recent players. But there's been some changes going on, and we'll hear more about them in the next few months um, from the International Rugby League about the changes to the what classifies as a full international, which is what is currently known as a test match. So they'll both be declared the same. And there's going to be a bunch of games that are going to be added to that classification that previously weren't. So it's going to change up a lot of records for appearances, um, points, tries, that sort of thing. Um, so Jonathan Thurston is the highest point scorer of all time in full internationals at 382 points. Prigor mm-hmm. Burr, the French legend, uh, he's in second place with 325 points. Mm-hmm. And Jim Sullivan, the British uh, legend from the 20s and 30s, uh, he's on 319 and Mick Cronin on 310. So they're the four players who have scored 300 points or more at full international level. Nice. Um, there's also in the top 16 who have scored 200 or more. There's um, uh, Dalibor Vukanovic from Serbia. He's in that list. 207 mm-hmm. points from 33 games. Um, there's a there's another Frenchman. There's uh, Jonathan Davies, one of your favourite players. He's in there. Yeah, probably scored um, them in terms of no consequence. <laughs> um, Andrew Farrell. Oh, he definitely didn't score them of, of any consequence at all. Have you he ever scored? Seen... <laughs> yeah. He's he scored four points less than Andrew Johns in Test football. Really? But played twenty Tests more. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you remember that game? In uh, what year was it? It was when Great Britain come over mid-season and we absolutely thrashed them at the SFS. It was like 64 to 10, I think it was, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in the first half of that match, and Andrew Farrell, like I think he'd made one tackle (laughs) forward. It's like, what the hell was he doing out there 40 minutes? That's brilliant. Um. Yeah, that's all there. Quiggle Burr also holds the record for most field goals at the test level with 12. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good um, 12 field goals. You could do that. It's definitely doable. Mm. And we currently have nine players who have played 50 or more full internationals. As long as Gary Schofield hasn't, that's the main thing. He's sitting on 49. Good. <laughs> He'll never be part of that class, ever. <laughs> no, the only game that he, he has played 50 internationals, but the one that doesn't count is a game where he played against the rest of the world. Yep, it does not count. Yeah, so, uh, never will either. Bad luck there, Gaz. Well, there's a cutoff point. You either played 50 tests or you didn't. You just like everyone else. <laughs> well, yeah, 40 nights, pretty solid effort. At least he's got his sunny outlook on life, eh? And his mo. Well, if you can call it that. 
Right, I'm not going to slur slur old Gaz Schofield. I don't know what beef you've I'm got not, with the slur. No, just stating that he he that like some players played 50 tests and then there was everyone else and he's in that everyone else category. I'm not slurring him. What's he done for you to 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 get your ire? What has he got your goat? There's nothing that Gary Schofield has ever done to me or Australians or the Australian <laughs> test team. That has ever been of any consequence or offence or anything along those lines. He's, I'm sure he's a really nice fella. Just ask him. <laughs> oh, lovely. And people ta- sometimes people take me as attacking people, and I'm not. Gary Schofield played Test football. That's difficult to play. You know, break the nasta. Played Test football. So all-time point scorer in international rugby league. Gary Schofield hasn't done that either. But that's fine. It's not saying that Gary Schofield's international, you know, career was anything less, unless you're talking about 50 test players or more than it was. (laughs) (laughs) But he did play against that rest of the world team, which was, I'm I'm sure that was cool. (laughs) I think he also played in a very rare game. That was um, Northern Hemisphere versus Oceania or something like that. Oh, really? And that was in the uh, mid-80s. Wow. You know the the thing about that game? Mm-hmm. Test match. Yeah, wasn't Not it? Not even an international. No, that's right. <laughs> didn't, keep, didn't quite get there either. No, no, it's all right. There's, look, someone's got 49 tests. That's all that's right. That's right. That's right. That's he's true. played he's played forty nine more tests than I have. He's played forty nine more than you and I combined. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> there, there's something to hang, hang his hat on. Yeah, didn't play fifty, but still forty nine more. Nothing yeah. to be sneezed at. No, that's right. All right. Um, anything else we can chuck in there? No, no. I think that we've uh, covered all of the relevant news up until this point. We have, yes. And we've covered Gary Schofield. Gary Schofield's very, very good career, almost amongst the best. Who are the other who are the fifty? I should try and guess them, hey. Yeah, go for it. See okay. see, see you go. Okay. Fifties. Um can, can you go from the actual you know, in ooh, order from the very top? From all time to I uh, don't know that I can. But I'm going to say Darren Lockout. He's at number one with 63. Okay. Ruben Wiki. He's at number four with 55. Um, Two above him. I feel like Gary Freeman, maybe. Uh, Gary Freeman had 46. Ooh. Trying to think who else. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Uh, what about Petro Sivnseva? He's in there. He's uh, equal seventh with 51. Okay. It's got to be some palms in there, not Gary oh, yeah. Schofield. Um, who was better than Gary Schofield? Without question. Uh, did uh, did Fat Prince Harry make it? <laughs> James Graham is there. Yes, with 53. He's yep. equal fifth. 
can't believe that you would think that that's what James Graham is called. How dare you? Um, call it a call it a safe punch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> who else? Who else? Who else? Jeez, uh, I, th- I think I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm stumped, hey? All righty. Yeah. Well, number two was Jim Sullivan with 59. Yep. Number three, Cameron Smith, 56. Ah, uh, Cameron Smith, of course, yeah. Uh, equal with James Graham was Adrian Morley with 53. Oh, really? Equal with Seven Receiver was Adam Blair and Mick Sullivan on 51. Adam Blair. I would never have got that. <laughs> there and you so go. The ones that 50 and then behind them is everyone else and Gary Schofield. Well, Gary Schofield and then everybody else. No, they're all together. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't Gary... want to single anyone out, Andrew. Come on now. Well, he's at 49, so he's the he's yeah, the first yeah, of right. the rest. Yeah, he's like the first of the rest. One, who's played one test match? Oh, there's a fair list of like Aaron Raper, right? Gary Schofield's in the same class as Aaron Raper. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Because they've not played 50 test matches is all I'm saying. Oh, in that group, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've played test football, but they haven't played 50. So you would class Aaron Raper and Gary Schofield in the same class. Along with, say, Kevin Reed Jr.? Yeah. Charlie Rees. Oh, Charlie Rees. He was a great player. Uh, John Rattigan. Mm-hmm. William Rhodes. Good old Billy Rhodes. Billy Rhodes. That takes your mind back. And, really- um, Douglas Richard Jolly. He's one of my favourite players, actually. Yeah. Thomas Ripchick. Yep, him too. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful list to be a part of. Yeah. And, uh, Luke, Luke and Mark Reynolds, both of whom played for different countries and are not related. Oh, there you go. Like one for Sweden a, and one for Wales. It's a it's a long list of great players that That's have it. made our international games rich history what it is. And I thank Gary Schofield for being part of that list. That's uh, very touching. Yeah, yeah. So got to bring okay. it to a positive positive thing i like it we will we'll leave it there on that on that uh, cheery note mm. all righty um people if you want to get in touch with us you can find us on the social medias at uh instagram and twitter at Fergo freak pod we're on linkedin youtube facebook myspace check us out on all of those and also please go to your podcast listening device and give us a five-star rating and leave a review which we will read out and we'll put it up on the website as well um go please to, also go to the go website to, go, to, go to your podcast and apps give us five stars and just write thank you gary schofield yeah yeah as much as much gaz schofield praise as you can heap yeah as just pour it on pour it on pour it on hard and uh freaky will read them all out i will you have to put them all over the website too um, yeah. <laughs> and that will not be a chore for him at all no no there's nothing wrong with Gary Schofield. 49 tests. That's great. Yeah. Um, on that glorious, glorious note, we'll uh, wrap this turkey up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.